Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us on today's special podcast. Now, if you looked at the timestamp, you probably noticed that this is a longer podcast, and the reason for that is that ordinarily we follow up on Rick's messages to touch on things that he didn't say or couldn't say on stage, and all to help you connect the dots of discipleship. Well, this week is no different, only this time we're going to dive deep into the challenges that face disciples when they are faced with deep and painful trauma that then lead them to, well, all kinds of emotional tricks that, that well, they never work out. You see, at Living Your Dash in Grace Community Church, we believe that discipleship is not for the perfect person. Quite, quite the contrary. Uh, it's for the deeply broken, the deeply flawed, the habitually faulty. Jesus said, I have come for the sick, not the healthy. So today we're going to listen to two people who shared their lives on Celebrate Recovery Sunday and then sat down with me with a chat. But first, let's find out what Celebrate Recovery is all about as I talk to the pastor who oversees CR, Barry Anderson. Barry, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, Barry, this past Sunday, we had a great, I mean, it was probably the most memorable uh, church service that I've been to in a a long time. And uh, this is where Celebrate Recovery took the, the center stage. Uh, what's happening at Grace. So tell me, what is Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a Christian recovery program that uses not only the 12 steps that you'd find in a traditional recovery program, but it has eight principles based on their corresponding scriptures. Ah. So it uses what 12-step folks maybe know, but makes it even better for the believer and it's it's Christ centered and Christ oriented. Yeah, yeah. So because I know that in in um, well what we would call secular uh, organizations, they would use a higher uh, use the the higher power monitor. Correct. Uh, but for CR, it is distinctly Christian. Absolutely. Um, and we we say unapologetically, our higher power is Jesus Christ. Yeah, not not to and, be adverse adversative correct. to people. Adversative. Adversarial. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. That's Not big. to be that, but just to say that we, we, we just want to say we believe that there is power uh, and Absolutely. blessing that, that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to give to people. Absolutely. So where, where can people find information about CR? Okay, well, we have a presence on Facebook. That's Roswell Celebrate Recovery. Oh. We also have a web page on our own church website, which is roswellgrace.com forward slash CR. Mm-hmm. But the best way is either just drop by on a Friday night. We have a free meal at 5 o'clock, our large group in worship and teaching times at 6 o'clock, and then we have an open share time for both men and women at 7. They can drop by, get a free meal, check it out, or they can come by the church and talk to myself or, or Valerie Buckingham, and uh, we'll be glad to get them any information. Fantastic. All right. So, Barry, here, here's here's the question I want to ask you, uh, if you don't mind. Just one more. Um, what would you say to someone that says, I've just screwed up my life so much. I, I'm too embarrassed to, to go to CR. I, I, I just don't I just don't feel like I, I, I can make it. Uh, I would say come and, and 
stick around for a few weeks and, and get into our program and see what God does. I, he's, he's turned around some lives before, as you and I both well know, mm-hmm. and you heard testimonies of that Sunday, but I, w- I would just encourage him to give it a chance. Yeah. You know, we deal with things, only one out of three people come to CR because of alcohol or drug reasons. Mm-hmm. The other two out of three come for hurts, habits, and hangups, and there's not a person alive who wouldn't benefit from from Celebrate Recovery. Right. Say that again. You said one out of three? One out of three uh, attend CR for alcohol or drug reasons. But? But two out of three people come for a number of other reasons. Okay. Anger, um, all kinds of things that yeah. just deal in life. And right. so we, we address all of those things through the lessons and make it where people can really deal with the issues they bring to the table. Okay. All right. Barry, thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Folks, we have a, a really special guest with us today. Um, we had something at church called Celebrate Recovery Sunday. And so I have my friend and stepbrother. We call ourselves stepbrothers. Why? Go through this study. You're yeah. brothers, but it's not... Like brother of another mother. That's know. right. Yeah, yeah. We we went through the step studies together, and his name is Major Kessel. No, no. Ma- yeah, Major. Yep. Major uh, Tony Kessel. And so, wow, Tony, thank you so much for spending time with us today and uh, for being on the podcast. Um, so, um, you know, wh- who are you? Where'd you come from? Uh, and how did you end up in Roswell? Um, so originally, I'm from North Dakota. Um, wow. My whole family was from there, and I uh, joined the Army back in 2004, wow. so February 22nd of 2004, Wow! and they told me I got to go to awesome places and do great things, so in 2009, um, I left North Dakota for Tennessee, Whoa. mobilized with them, and then that deployment, um, just coming back and trying to settle back in a home didn't happen the way that it should have mm. resulted in a divorce which my ex-wife lived in New Mexico so oh I see I had to settle down here to, to have connection with my my son for my first marriage yeah yeah okay okay so wow so what was it like growing up in uh, North Dakota honestly the town I went to college in Dickinson North Dakota is almost town for town like Roswell oh no way yeah it's a very rural town okay. um, it's very college centric a lot of older people um, very conservative, um, more of a Catholic background. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, and that's the odd part is Roswell v- feels very much like home to me. Interesting. Just in everything that it is. That's why we appreciate it. Right, right. Now, of course, I, I want people to know that if they want to hear your whole story, uh, they need to go to uh, roswellgrace.com forward slash watch and look for uh, um, our uh, November twenty. Uh, seventh um uh, uh, service and so but for right now i you know you came and and along with other testimonies you came to talk about your story of how you became a part of celebrate recovery yeah so what was it that brought you into celebrate recovery um and and that was basically what i shared on the on the pulpit on sunday is um just how open Grace Community Church was as uh, April and I went through the membership classes. Um, when we got approached on the concept of starting a mental health um, program, which we had our own issues, 
Yeah. Uh, for me, anxiety, depression, a couple of suicide attempts. I had suicidal ideation back in 2004. Um, we felt it was our calling to give back to people who may be hurting in that way, specifically within the church. Yeah. Um, so Saddleback has provided awesome support group and structure and just everything that comes with needing to provide peer support in ministries like that. So Hope for Mental Health was a huge thing. Uh, we were grateful to, to step it off. Um, and from our standpoint, you can't, you can't lead a ministry like that. Um, like you're giving a lot to people. You're hearing their stories. Compassion fatigue is real mm-hmm. um, when you're caring about other people's story. And so for us, we, we knew that if we didn't do something to feed ourselves, we could put our, ourselves in a place of right. vulnerability. Right. And Celebrate Recovery was that safe place. Oh, awesome. Um, so we, we attended it with the intention of just being regular attenders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Using air quotes. But, uh-huh. um, but as we got involved in the community, we realized that they're doing a lot of the same things we're doing. Um, ah. And, yeah, so the step study came naturally after um, – I initially got into a step study. I knew I had some things that I needed to work on, but I initially got into it so that I could refer people from that might need a more intensive death side, one-to-one peer group where they're really trudging through things. So you want to refer people to it, you got to get in it. And then I got in it and kind of changed yeah, yeah. my world a lot. I, I didn't anticipate it doing what it did, but... Right, you know, and I haven't talked about my own my own journey through the step study yet, and so yeah. that that's that's to come, folks. Uh, so uh, hang on to your hats on that one. But but I can, I can at least say this that that there have been there have been um, habits habituations that I had picked up that were unhealthy mm-hmm. and uh, that needed addressing and needed careful attention. My as as you know, one of my favorite verses is Lamentation three forty. Let us. Let us examine our ways and let us return to the Lord. And so, you know, that's part of what this podcast is all about is, you, you know, when I, when I think what you just said about we knew that we needed to do something with our story, what, that's, I, I think that most Christians or, or most people, they don't really want to talk about the most painful things in their life. But you, you guys are different. You and April, you wanted to... I don't know. Utilize it and uh, to yeah. to to make it a steward is to be stewards of that sort. Am I am I off there? Not at all. Not at all. Um, there's a lot of unexplainable things that happen in life that could cause someone to question God's <clears throat> existence. Um, you know, just different things that happen. Um, and the number one question is always like, God, why did you allow that to happen? And yep. for April and I, that the answer has always been that. Like Jesus, Jesus was God. He was fully God. He came to earth to live the, in the environment that we do. Like yeah. good leaders do what they ask their followers to do, right? <laughs> right. And so once we like really started to get a handle of that in our own restoration process on the mental health side, we realized that the story wasn't ours. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who have questions about God's existence and where he is in those moments of trial or struggle and that's why we have the testimony because somebody that is not anyone can not everyone can truly relate to everything anyone has been through it's it it, every situation is different and every story is important but having a common frame of reference for those stories becomes very 
critical that you know that in that moment, like Job, for example, when he lost everything, his friends sat with him when he was in the sackcloth and the ash yeah. in silence and were with him. And that's one of the best biblical examples. Now that they blew the wheels off that and started blaming it on God and asking a bunch of questions later, but yeah. in that initial moment of sitting in the trauma, that is what having a story teaches you to do. Wow. Is to sit with people and let them talk it out. Let them, if they just need somebody to be near them, even not without talking, it's the moment we start interjecting our worldly advice and I, this is what you should do. Yeah. Like they don't, they probably know what they should do, but there's so much they have to sift through that just being present, being near them and mm-hmm. loving them like Jesus wow. is like half the half the struggle right there. That's right? amazing. How important is that aspect of... I mean, I'm imagining that it, it, it's an important aspect for um, for the ministry of, and your calling to Hope for Mental Health. But also, it's how important is that in our discipleship, as Jesus calls us as disciples? It, I mean, really, it, especially like after the post-COVID world where everything was online and we, we did our church services online. Yeah. Um, like... Nothing beats the companionship and fellowship. The the sermons, they're, they're ways for us to feed ourselves. They're ways for us to get in God's Word and understand and, and digest. But the church has to exist on that companionship and that, that bringing Christian minds together and discussing it and praying for one another and breaking yeah. bread for one another, uh, or with one another, I, I should say. Uh-huh. Um, and... These these peer support group ministries, um, Hope for Mental Health, Celebrate Recovery, they they put us in that place. Yeah. Where where you and and I'm not saying I would be likely to do this, but you cast <laughs> judgment aside uh-huh. for the sake of Jesus. Like right. you you love Jesus, I love Jesus, we're in this building at this time, tell me your story. Yeah. Let's get to know each other and let's get to know Jesus better. Yeah. Through, I'll use the word communion loosely, or breaking of bread, or yeah. um, just that fellowship that you, you can't get that type of um, companionship without a gospel-centered understanding. Yeah, in, I, in my I, opinion, I have found, in particular, our step study group mm-hmm. was a powerful way to for for me to say that you know probably mm, I don't know. 75% of the time, we were answering questions out of a book and things like that. It was, okay, It was that was a good answer and stuff like that. But it's those 25% of the time when a really big revelation happened. And, and even as I was, like, saying it out of my mouth, mm-hmm. something changed in my heart. Or yeah. something, I could tell it on your face, I could yeah. tell it on the other guy's face, that something just happened. A miraculous event yeah. just happened. And it's... We have that that phrase in Celebrate Recovery, you know, just, you know, wait for the miracle. Yeah. Wait for the miracle to happen. And I, I agree. And we got to, but we have to stick around with each other to see it happen. Yeah. And and I mean, the breakthroughs that other people have, um, I, I would say I probably shed more tears of joy for other people's breakthroughs in my own. <laughs> and to be in that moment when they came to the, when... When God touched them with that knowledge of yeah. something they wrote in a book that they read out loud and they start, 
developing that thought or, or action, those yeah. breakthroughs were, I, like as a society, we use the word miracle very loosely, but they <laughs> felt miraculous to, wit to witness somebody visibly change in understanding yeah. right in front of you was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Is that why support groups like Celebrate Recovery and, um, and Hope for Mental Health, why they're really critical yeah. in, in, a, in a disciple's life? Um, what, what would you say to a person who would, who would say, you know, I just, I feel like I've got this under control. I've got my own life under control. Everything's fine. What, what would you say to that person? Gosh, step one. What is step one? You have to admit that you're powerless. You have to admit yeah. that you don't have control. And I mean, I suffer from anxiety, which by proxy is a disease of control. It's you not <laughs> being able to control Something I, yeah. I I can't speak to how other people, but for me, um, like it's these choose your own adventure stories sometimes in my head of like what happens if this happens, what are you gonna do, and and you you play it out in your head for unlikely scenarios all the time, mm. and and that's not healthy. No, I mean I mean the level of exhaustion that you feel at the end of a day. Living an imaginary life in your head, different from the one that you're physically living, yeah, because you still got to maintain is it, it's exhausting. And wow. to finally admit, like, why are you worrying about this man? Why are you worried about the logs on the log truck in front of you coming <laughs> undone? Like, just pass it, man. Right. Like, don't play this choose your own adventure in your head. Wow. And so, admitting that you're powerless and one like. Why do you need to know what you're going to do if that happens? Like, if it happens, that's why admitting that God's sovereignty matters is so important in step yeah. one. That if you're powerless, who has the power? And what are you going to get your solution from when you don't have control? Yeah, and I love that, that first part of, of that, of step one. You know, I'm admitting that I am not God, yeah. that I cannot control a thing. Yeah. Uh, I can regulate a couple things. But I can't control anything in my life, and that I am powerless to try to do anything about it. And so, what what a what a powerful truth that is. Okay, let let me let me just put it this way. I, I, or I need to move forward here. So, um, I, I like again. I, I want people to to go to go online if they haven't heard your story to go online and listen to it. But you know, your recovery story dealt with coming to terms with the with the fracturing, really, of your soul because mm -hmm. of your. Of, of your abandonment by your mother. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I want to ask this question. Um, you said that you believe that when your mom would die, uh, at least as I remember it, that, that you wouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, why do you believe that when she finally did pass that that, that, that wasn't true? I, it's, it's kind of twofold. One, I, I was lying to myself all that time uh, just to make myself feel better. Like, oh, I, wouldn't, I won't care when she's gone. Like, she, like, there's a part of that. Like, I told myself that so that maybe I could convince myself that when she passed, it wouldn't have to hurt. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I didn't really say this, is I put false parameters on the step study process. So in step four, which is where she passed, I was already looking uh -huh. towards step eight, and I was like, I'm going to make amends. I'm going, I falsely believed that I would reach out to her and that we would rectify her relationship and that she would care. And that like, I set all of these unrealistic expectations that CR says not to do. I want to be clear. <laughs> that's the disclaimer. You don't do that. Yeah. 
And, and I think ultimately that's why it hurt so much because I started building my hope in reconciliation and the opportunity for reconciliation when Celebrate Recovery and the step studies teach you it's not, like if you have to admit that you're powerless, you don't control her actions or her response to what you've learned. Yeah. And I was hoping that somehow I could. Yeah. And so not being able to change that, it kind of put the finality on like, you just have to do this now. You have to forgive her. There's nothing. And I think that's kind of what kicked the can down the road on my forgiveness to begin with is that she was still alive and there was a chance. And I know that kind of sounds cold, but there was a chance for reconciliation. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, I... I have to admit that I didn't follow CR guidelines in that sense. And so that was kind of the rude awakening of like, hey, man, you're not doing what this program is asking of you. Yeah. You need to put it in God's hands and let him deal with the rest. Yeah. Hey, what, what are the ways do you think that CR has been helpful to you in your spiritual journey? The, the biggest thing is, like, as you start to recover, you start to see how you need to heal. Yeah. You 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 become very aware with your flaws, but trauma and uh, like destructive behaviors are somewhat hereditary. If you look at the way that you were raised and the way that you raise your kids, Mm -hmm. like celebrate recovery is now teaching me that it's much bigger than fixing me. Mm. It's not about me fixing myself. Like I've done some damage to my children through some of my vices, through some of my things. And it's not just about, restoring my relationship with God. And this is for me. This is me personally. It has become so much more about breaking the cycle and not subjecting my kids to as much of the trauma <laughs> as I was subjected to in certain ways. And and I love watching other people hit that realization too that, that you can fix generations. And, and that's not the point of Celebrate Recovery. God is the one who does the fixing. That's right. The peer support is just there for encouragement and, and um, just listening. But God is restoring individuals. He's restoring relationships. And ultimately ending vicious cycles of destructive behaviors yeah. if we're open to that concept and willing to be malleable enough to, to be shaped by him in that. Yeah. Oh. Tony, that's been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to, to spend some time with us. Okay, so uh, here we are. We are with uh, Olivia Tucker. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Hello. Yeah, hello. So, <laughs> And actually, James is in the room too, but... He's just here to observe. So, uh, so James, thanks for being here too as well, okay? But anyway, Olivia, thank you so much for taking out time to, to spend some time with us today um, at the Living Your Dash podcast. The, the whole point of the podcast is we want to help people to connect the dots of discipleship in their life. And discipleship happens not just for the, um, not for the super spiritual who've got their lives all together because that's nobody, uh, but discipleship happens at every level, and so if you don't mind, give me a, give me a real brief history. Who is Olivia? 
Because when I met you, you were Olivia Wright. Yes, that's right. And so uh, you, who is Olivia, and and what what's been your involvement with Celebrate Recovery? So my name is Olivia Tucker, as we've all dated. Yeah. Um, I was born in Cal. I was born in California. Uh-huh. Um, I was made in Roswell, uh, <laughs> and then uh, my parents divorced right after I was born. Ah. Um, the, the I think the abandonment issues kind of started at that point in time. There was a mm. lot of back and forth. Between us, um, my mom kidnapped us, and then my dad oh my took us back. And um, I think that it, that bonding kind of disappeared at that at that brief age. Yeah, how old were you when that happened? I was an infant. You were an infant. I was an infant. Yeah. Um, my first memories kicked in. I was back with my mom already. My dad, my mm. mom had already gotten us back. Um, she, my dad had, you know, required some things for her: change your life, get yourself together, things of that nature. Okay. Um, and she. Did it for the court's sake. Um, unfortunately, when she got us kids, so they made the agreement. Me and my sister went with my mom. My brother went with my dad. Um, they, uh, my mom wasn't actually better. Uh-huh. Um, she maintained a job and had a roof, but she was in nowhere mentally stable enough to support children. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother came to live with us uh, when I was about when I was eight years old, uh-huh. um, and that is where the. Uh, the rape started. Oh. Um, so there was a lot of sexual rape, a lot of um, violence in the home. He was bipolar and manic. And mm. my mom is bipolar and manic. And then um, I was the youngest of all three. Oh, um, wow. Which led me to being kind of pushed off to the side. My mom was tired. Sure. Already. Um, I kept quiet about the things that went on in the house for years. Yeah. Um, so it started at eight and ended at about 10 years old when he got sent back to New Mexico. Mm. And then upon that time, I kind of just woke up one day and he wasn't there. So I forgot about it uh, for about two years. Mm-hmm. Then I, when I finally went and told my mom about it, she told me I was lying. So I left home. Oh. How old were you when that I was happened? about 12 or 13. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the running away thing, I mean, I've always been a runner. It's real easy to run and hide. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was when I really started running away. I, every time I made it longer, the first time was like three days, then a week, then three weeks, then three months. Yeah. Uh, before long, it was probably over a year. So that was your self-protection. Yeah, I run. That all you can do. That's yeah. all you knew how to do. Yeah, so. survival. Um, it was about, <clears throat> when I was about 15, maybe 14 and a half is when uh, the relationship started. And it wasn't healthy relationships because it was drug addicts. Okay, who, with boy, with other with boys. Not boys. They were men. They oh, were uh, they were they were preying on young girls who okay. were troubled. And um, one of them, the first one was a he sold drugs, and um, I was just kind of let there on the sidelines. Um, and then I started to, to, to follow in his lead, you mm-hmm. know. And fifteen and a half, I was arrested for um, many many felony charges for. Trafficking drugs. Wow. Um, thankfully, I was a minor at that time. Um, they took my mom's rights away, which was the plus side, which is the plus side. Yeah. Um, that for me was like closure, like I don't have to go back. Wow. Um, unfortunately, they were sent, they sent me to a group home, and there was a thing if I completed the group home, I would return to her. So I think I had it in my mind like already, like this is a bad, bad ending, so I left. Oh, from the, you ran away from the group Same home? Same day. Same day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I lasted until I was 17 and a half in, on the run. Mm-hmm. And then at 18, at 17 and a half, I went back to juvie. 
they, they caught me and they were like, you just don't want to go to adult jail. And I was like, no, I really am a runaway. Yeah. And uh, so I spent six and a half months in there. I got my GED. Wow. Um, got released on my 18th birthday and I moved from that area, that part of California to Northern California. Mm. And I was there for a while. And then about 20, I decided to come home. Mm. Um, of course, to, I was in... To Roswell? Yes, or to, okay. to Roswell. Uh-huh. Um, there was some other bad relationships in between all of that. You know, yeah. most of them abusive. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I think that it's important for me to say that, it, folks, you need to go to roswellgrace.com forward slash watch and you will find the link and hear Olivia's testimony. And, you know, Olivia, I just have to say that, that, that something that I've always noticed is that you've had a great, you've always had a great smile. And I would never, I would never have guessed uh, the terror of your, of your background um, compared to what, what I see on your face. And yeah. so, and I know that if, when people actually watch, they're going <laughs> to, you're not smiling much because it wasn't a fun story to tell, but you really are. You're a vibrant person. Where did that come from? I don't know. I mean, I guess I've always, I've always hated being miserable. I don't like to be miserable. Yeah. And I mean, when I would use drugs, it was like a way of putting it all off to the side, like, right. you know, just to kind of avoid it. Right. Um, it wasn't until coming to see our... So when I first left prison, my plan was stay clean. That was it. Stay right. clean. That was my only plan. Didn't trust myself. I mean, I was scared. Um, just because I have never done probation correctly, ever. Hmm. You know? Um, what, how old were you at the time? This was a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, actually, it's been almost two years now. Closer to two. Okay. Um, so I got out of prison in May of 21. Yeah. Um, by the way, I need to state that, you know, prison saved my life. You know, it really did. Wow. It saved me. Yeah, most people avoid prison. No, hated, no, no. When I when they sentenced me, I was relieved. Wow. I didn't want to do this anymore. When I when they arrested me for the warrants and the charges and everything, I hated this my tells life. You how bad life was. I hated my life. I mean, my gosh. I wanted to die. I did not want to live anymore. I wanted wow. it over. Um I was just tired of being tired yeah. and all of it. So when I got arrested, I was relieved. Um, I went to prison, and I was content in prison until about six months to the door, maybe seven. And I finally, I, was, I felt a calmness, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. Huh. You know? And even though, and then once, once it was time to leave, I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready to go now. Can I stay? And they were like, you got to go. That's amazing. But uh, so I got out, and as soon as I got out, I had to leave in jail, prison, in handcuffs because I had a new charge that they filed on me. <laughs> but, Yeah. So then I bonded out of jail, and here I am on parole, probation, and bond, scared to death. And my now husband messaged me, and he's like, you're coming to church with me. Uh-uh. That's great. And I was like, okay. Um, and I ran into him at the PO's office right after I asked for permission, because we were both on paper. Yeah, PO. Probation officer. Probation officer. Okay. Mine was probation parole. And uh, I just asked. I was like, so he would like to go to CR group with him I said and I, I and I left prison I had a plan 90 meetings 90 days that's not a thing COVID was real mm, um, so right. I absorbed as many meetings as I could <clears throat> so we came to CR on Fridays I went to uh, Freedom and Recovery on Mondays church on Sundays and other than that I worked a full-time job and probably probably close to 70 hours a week most of the time my goodness mm. um, whatever I could do to stay busy <laughs> Things progressed between me and James, and yeah. uh, eventually the POs had given us permission to 
be friends and then hang out and then we started dating. Right, because that, that's something that's tightly controlled given his background as well. Both of us, right? so we're on paper. It was yeah. it's not normally something you hear about. Yeah. Um, normally they do not permit those things, let alone to get married. <laughs> um, <laughs> because sometimes it's not a good idea. <laughs> well, because technically by the rules standards, um, yeah. no, two, no two felons are supposed to be around each other. Yeah. But... They did make an exception for us. Yeah. We, we have done exceptionally well yeah. with our lives. That's wonderful. It, it has been sometimes the system works. Sometimes it does. Yay. Sometimes okay. it does. Sometimes it does. <laughs> uh, I mean, but then again, the POs also said clearly, they were like, well, what are we going to do? Tell you to take the ring off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah. I guess you could. But you know what? Yeah. Even, i tell you what, you know, some people, we, I appreciate our court system. I really do because do. it's better than having no system. I mean, can you yeah. imagine? But anyway, um, you know, uh, I want. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me more about how. That's how you got involved in CR, so right? the Celebrate Recovery. It is, and so initially, I started my uh, twelve steps with the mindset: stay clean. That was right. the only thing was stay off drugs. You know, yeah. I went into it targeting being a drug addict, mm-hmm. but that is not the real issue. Mm-hmm. So once I got about halfway through my uh, my steps. The real stuff started to unfold, the real truth of what everything was. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm a drug addict, because trust me, I mean, any person who hates their life and hates getting high, they're not a drug addict. Mm. It's they don't know how to deal with anything yet. There's, so I've gone... So, can t- you say that again? They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it. Nope. And for you, the it was... Everything. So from the abandonment as a child that I didn't... That people think just because they weren't, a, they're not able to remember it, it's not there. That's not the truth. Mm-hmm. So those traumas were already embedded in me long before. Mm-hmm. Um, it causes, and you come at a disadvantage of being able to connect with certain people, loved ones. Mm-hmm. Mine was family. Um, I was able to connect with people who have total strangers quicker than I could a family member then. Yeah. Um, and then going into the rape and the running away from home and dealing from one problem to another to another. Every abusive relationship led me to another one. Yeah. I just never had time to heal from anything. Right. Not from one thing until I came to CR. So, so the, the it was just that you couldn't trust anybody. I mean, the most fundamental, trusting, loving, accepting relationship was never there. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. How, how crucial is discovering it? What you just described, that, that it's not so much the, the substance, it is the thing behind. How crucial is that? Every person's truth is different. Every person's truth is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but discovering, discovering it, it, how important is that? It was like, it's, I don't want to call it like an aha moment, uh-huh. but that's what it is. It's yeah. exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, once I discovered what it was, it seemed to have less control over me mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then I started once you discover those things then the way you're responding to things you start to seem a little crazy I mean <laughs> I mean James's, James's experience dating me was quite interesting yeah. I broke up with him many times oh, and I then, would have too and then he just kidding and then he turns around and he's like are you done now you know and I'm mm. like yeah okay I'm better but he was patient and calm and kind, mm. and those are things I needed to heal. You need people of understanding in your corner when you go through recovery. Right. Um, you need people to just kind of let you be crazy and see for yourself who 
and what's really going on. Right. Because when they don't react or respond negatively to how you're used to when you do those things, yeah. you find gentleness and kindness and love in God. How, how, did, how did you come to know the Lord? Through CO. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I was active in church as a child. Uh-huh. Um, so someone took you to church. I did. Oh, you? Oh. I did. You? I chose. You took yourself. So I chose to be baptized <laughs> um, as an Episcopalian when I was about seven. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and I would call people for rides, and they would come get me, older women at the church, whatever. Um, and then my friend, when I hit junior high, she took me to a Christian church. Uh-huh. And I ended up going to summer camp that summer. And when I went to summer camp, it was like that rush of the Holy Spirit coming into me. And I dropped to my knees crying my eyes out. Wow. And I accepted Christ. Did anybody at the camp know your story? No. And then uh, the sad part is, is when I got home, everything was still the same. Yeah. So that's where my distance grew. You know, Olivia, so it's, the reason I talk about that is that I used to be a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me that it's important for... It's important for people to volunteer to go to camp. Yes. And and I mean adults, mm-hmm. to just be kind people, to ask questions. Olivia, tell me about your home life. Can you imagine if someone yeah. had just even asked, been a little bit curious, uh, a good friend that you could, an adult friend that you could trust, someone that was very safe, yeah. someone that was very nurturing. And can you imagine if you were able to unload just a little bit? I don't know if you'd been able to trust them then. But even just I've a little bit. I've always been very open. Oh, very, so you probably um, would have shared. Maybe. Um, I was very open about the things that went on once I left home. Uh, um, it was very hard to say the words at first that I've been raped. Yeah. Um, and every time I said it, though, I realized it got easier and easier. So I just kept telling everybody. Because mm-hmm. I felt better when I got it off my chest. And finally, I don't remember how many years later, just a few years later, I was able to say my entire story without crying. Wow. You know, and it wasn't, it didn't have the impact it used to. Yeah. yeah. But so going, when I returned home and everything was the same after that, I lost that connect. Yeah. I felt hopeless and unloved and unworthy and just not happy again. Yeah. So. It was a a brief. It was. Glimpse out of the clouds of sadness and you saw the sun, but then you had to go back. Yeah. Oh, man. So every time, and every time I would go to jail, I, you know, I'd open the Bible and Oh, yes, God saved me. I'm clean. I'm better. God didn't save me from that. Um, Mm -hmm. He was there. That's all he can promise to be is there. Yeah. But at the point where I am not still dealing with those problems that are there, uh, I just went back to drugs every time. Right. And then uh, coming to CR, it was going, I mean, I was, I wanted that relationship so badly. You know, this entire time I was out of prison, I wanted it. But it was actually going to the CR Summit in uh, Dallas. Oh, just recently. Yes. Yeah. That I got that connect back. Okay. It was when we went in, and I walked in, and I saw 2,200 people Hmm. surrounded in one church whose lives have all been changed. (laughs) Miraculous stories of recovery and redemption and just love and understanding that they've received and given. Yeah. It's just, it was phenomenal. And that was where I was able to reconnect again. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I, I think that, that, that some people, 
um, they like they may find it hard to understand, I mean, especially some of the things that that you've you've just talked about. You know, like like for instance, I I know that I would I would gladly run over a person with a steamroller. You know, if if they if I knew they were going to hurt you, uh, right? And uh, or or at least I'd hold them down, right? Uh, or before I'd let that happen to another little girl or to to jo- to Josiah, right? Yeah. Your son. How how do you walk away? Not walk away, but how, how do you um, how do you move from that experience? Because you because t- tell me tell me what your big dream is now. My big dream now is to help other people who are lost. They, I would love to impact a child's life, but I think the child's life who I ended up impacting is my stepson. Ah. Um, me and him are very close. Mm. Um, and Dad gets a little mad sometimes too because <laughs> he <laughs> reaches for me always. It's great. But um, I think it's just a little boy and a mom thing. Yeah. But the trauma he's been through, I understand that brokenness. That's that side of that he can be vulnerable with me, I think. Yeah. And uh, he's beginning to learn that it's okay to talk about it now. Yeah. So he is starting to open up. And there isn't a child in this world that I would not do anything in the world to protect them from. Mm. Um, I just I just can't fathom taking their childhood like mine was. I know what it was like to be different. Yeah. yeah. And the, you leave their childhoods alone. Like, they're, they're babies. They're innocent. Mm-hmm. And they deserve to be children and annoying as long as possible. <laughs> they really do. They really do. Yeah. The truth is, at the end of the day, when they're sleeping peacefully and you look at them, you can see that innocence in them. Yeah. Even after they're little terrorists all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you can see that innocence and that pure, sweet, gentle heart through their faces. And they, how could you not want to do everything you can to protect that? Yeah, yeah. Olivia, what, what do you think is the most important thing that... Um, let, let's say that, and there, because I know, I'm going to say this because I know that there are, most church members just don't think about these things. There are things that happen in the news, if they even read the news, um, they hear about these stories, but what, what do particularly church people, Christians who go to church, what do they need to, to know? What would you tell them? Trauma comes in every shape and form. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be something as um, intense as my story might be. Mm-hmm. Anything can be traumatic, and it doesn't matter how small or how petty you think it is. And you can't walk this walk this earth thinking that because somebody else went through something worse that your problems don't matter. I mean, anything can affect somebody's life to where they're unhappy. Yeah. And if you feel that unhappiness, eventually you're going to feel that void and that distance from God. Mm. 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 It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, you, would you encourage people, even if they've, as you just said, because I'm in total agreement with you, even if they've experienced a little bit of trauma and they know it's, they, the, the universe is not right and they, they, have, a, they have a inkling of... A, of a shadow of a, of a suggestion that maybe the trauma in their past has something to do with behaviors that are self-destructive and they're causing themselves pain and causing their, their loved ones pain. Would you, 
how would you suggest, or, or why, why does CR help in something like that? It's kind of like how I worked my steps the first time. It wasn't, it wasn't enough because I went in at the wrong angle. Mm. But once I went through it the one time, I quickly learned where the other piece, I peeled off those onion layers. <laughs> and right. there was the real problems. And with the love and kindness of everybody who went through the, went through the class with me and the people who are just surrounding me in the group, it's a non-judgmental love and it's a, it's a family. It is, it is a complete family. Yeah. I mean, we have our, fam- our church family, of course, but CR has a different type of unity in it. Um, I, I, you know, I guess broken hearts tend to linger together. They really do. They kind, mm. of, they kind of heal one another. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how small you think your problem is. It's a, if, if it hurts you, then it's a problem. Yeah. You know, and just having that fellowship with one another and that consistency... And the group texts even. I mean, even the group texts alone, you're never alone. You know, and there's always somebody with a scripture, always somebody with something positive to say. Yeah. And that positive re- affirmations and reinforcement daily, sometimes it's just all you need to not feel so empty. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Olivia, thank you so much mm-hmm. for spending time with us today. All right, so uh, we just listened to some great testimonies of some people that uh, talked at uh, talked to church. Rick, what else is happening here at Grace? Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas oh. here at Grace. The decorations are up. The, our decorating team did a marvelous job. They did. It's beautiful. To kick off the holiday season, we're doing something a little different this year. Usually we do our choir celebration, presentation a little bit later in December. This year we're kicking off the season. So this weekend, Saturday night, December the 3rd at 6 o'clock, and then Sunday morning, December the 4th at 9 o'clock and 1045, the Grace Choir and Band will be presenting. Yes. And Pastor Kenny has decided to do something kind of fun. Yes, this is really exciting. Tell us about this. He has asked my wife, Mary Hale, who is our former music director here at Grace, to come and direct the choir. And so they they pulled out their favorite Christmas songs over the years. Mm -hmm. And the choir's been practicing. And so that's going to be a great... Great moment, just a great celebration. Yeah, so I am in the choir, and uh, I am having a ball. It is just so much fun. And it's great music. It is. Great music, great Christmas celebration music, and people will enjoy. So come out Saturday night at 6, bring your friends, come Sunday morning, bring your enemies, we don't care. Just come and come and celebrate. Bring your frenemies, your pretenemies, okay? Yeah. All right. Hey, what I'm else? also I'm starting a new Christmas series yeah. this Sunday. It's called Making the Most of Christmas. It's Sean, it it is. It's so easy with all the holiday hustle and bustle. That you know, we we can miss what Christmas is all about. That's true. So we're gonna spend our our December Sundays together learning how can we make the most of Christmas this year. Mm. And John, we are going to go back and we're going to spend the the entire month in uh, the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, where the angel appears to the shepherds. 
Oh. Out in the fields at night. Remember uh-huh. that? Yes. And yes. we're going to look, what did that angel actually communicate that is relevant to us today that can help us not miss the message, but make the most of Christmas? Amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, Rick, anything else going That's on? That's it. Come All on right. out and Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.